Good morning, everyone. I don't know if you can tell, but my nose is pretty clogged. <laughs> so bear with me. Anyways, today is Apollo, my big cat, his estimated birthday. So when I adopted him, they estimated that his birthday was 1226, which would make him three years old today. So yay! I'll probably take him for a nice long walk. And what I want to do today is try something new. So rather than collecting a bunch of life updates that I want to share and put together in one episode, it makes the episode decently long, but the editing process is insanely long. And I just don't have time for that. But I still want to upload. So I'm thinking I will just give you one life update at a time to make the episode shorter and just easier on me to continue to share things. So think of it like chocolate chip cookies. You know, you can buy the big chocolate chip cookies, and then you can buy the Chips Ahoy ones, which are little teeny tiny cookies, just bite size. And think about my episodes as those tiny bite-sized little chocolate chip cookies. Okay, today's life update focused specifically around CASA. How's my CASA been going? So CASA's been interesting. I'll set the stage for you a little bit. I am working with a teenage boy and he has a younger brother. Because he has a younger brother, that younger brother was also assigned to CASA and that was a person that I actually went through training class with, which is super nice because now I get you know a sense of camaraderie. We're working closely together. But what's so funny about this is she is the total opposite of me. Like I am this very hard charging sales corporate, like shark in the water, as my friend Riley says. And then you get over here, Lynn, who is this yogi, breath work, meditation. I'll give you an example of some of the things she says. For her first meeting with her kid, what she wanted to do was aligning hippocampi. We stand together, we put our heads together in a straight line, and then we toss bean bags at each other. We're aligning the hippocampus. And I was like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> I don't know if a 16-year-old would be into that, but you go do that for your little kid. And she wrapped a bunch of gifts for them. We put their names in this toy drive at a local nonprofit, and she ended up picking up the gifts and wrapping them. And when she wrapped them, they were so cute. And I said, I'm so glad I had you do this because if I did it, it would not look like that. And she goes, yeah, and I normally actually put a little bit of nature in my wrapping, nature that I foraged outside myself, but I'm not going to do that for kids. And when we were talking about how potentially frustrated we could get during this case, she goes, and that's when I go back to the breath. But what I love about this is even though we are the total opposite, I have decided, as I mentioned in my last episode, that I'm just going to be who I am. And she's taken to it really well. I worried that, you know, it would ruffle her feathers because it would ruffle some people's feathers. But she's been totally fine with it. She thinks well of me. I think well of her. And the beautiful thing is even though on the outside we look and act completely different, we end up being very much aligned in terms of how we feel about the case, how we want to approach it, different ideas we have for double dates. I shared my concerns about the caregiver being, you know, taking advantage of us monetarily or emotionally thinking we're her therapist. And when I said those things very bluntly, she was like, I totally agree. So she might not have openly said it herself, but when I say it, 
you know, we're able to talk about it and agree. So that's been really fun. But going back to just how this has all played out, I have been through many phases of emotions and thoughts throughout this already. So the first thing is I'm reading through the file and I'm feeling just anger, contempt maybe for the parents for how shitty of a job they're doing. But more than that, the things that they're saying about the kid, it just felt like lies, scraping the bucket for a cover up, backpedaling, coercion into backpedaling and blaming. And so I was not happy about any of that. I'm reading this thinking, man, fuck you. I'm going to be the best advocate I can for my kid. And in my head, I'm thinking of all these great things I can do with him. I can take him boxing, take him to the gym, and we can go lift. It's going to help him with his mental health. It's going to help him lose weight in a healthy way. I was super excited, and everyone I told this idea to was also super excited. And then another development, I hear the current caregiver was struggling to do something, which seemed like an easy thing to do. And again, my alarms went off like, man... Fuck you guys and your incompetence. And I also started to have my guard up because I did not want to be pulled in and taken advantage of because causes in the past have been mistaken as, as a therapist for the caregiver. I'm not there for you. I'm there for the kid. I started having my guard come up and having that wariness on me that I make sure to behave in a way that sets boundaries which is not a bad thing, you know, but it was definitely another thing in my head. So here I am, ready to advocate, ready to set boundaries for myself and teach my kid how to set boundaries. And then I hear that my kid is angry, which I kind of knew, but angry enough that he doesn't even want to meet me. So then my head starts wondering, okay, well, is he going to be rude to me? Like if he starts snapping at me, well, how would I deal with that? How would I deal with that in a way that's sustainable for me and honest to me, and also helpful for him. And if he doesn't even want to meet with me, okay, well, let me rack my brain about how I can get my foot in the door. The good thing is I'm from sales, and this is exactly like how we have to prospect. We have to find creative ways to get our foot in the door. And so I'm thinking of all these different quote-unquote talk tracks and different things I can do, and all these scenarios in my head throughout the whole process that I've shared so far and the respective emotions that come with it, And then I realize I haven't even met the kid. This comes from a good place because I care. I care a lot. I'm caring too hard even, and that's the problem, too hard. The level of trying and caring I was doing was proportional to me being able to control everything, including the outcome, doing everything I can to ensure that I meet him. The problem with that is, an outcome that involves another person, that's where you have to draw the line for things you can control and things you can't control. Because you can bring a horse to water, but you can't force it to drink. And so what I needed to do, I realized, was to dial down the level of care I was feeling to a level that was proportional to what I could control. And what I can control is all the part of the equation that involves me. I'll control what I do, and for the rest, I have to just let him come to me. Technically, it's not wrong for me to try to control everything because it's just like sales. With enough persistence 
and effort and continuous strategic thinking, you can get a prospect to meet with you. So it's not like I can't control the outcome here. I, if you push yourself enough, I feel like you kind of can. And that, I think, comes from my philosophy in sales. If you try less hard in sales, you're never going to get those whales. The best sales reps control everything they can, and they're usually very hands-on. They're not just going to put their hands up and be like, well, prospect didn't call me back. So it's pretty embedded in being a top salesperson that you're going to always take initiative and take more things on your own plate in order to ensure an outcome as much as possible. And that as much as possible is a high standard in sales because we are dialing even at month end. We got one hour left trying to close any sort of simple IRA. But for the purpose of this and outside of sales, while I could keep pushing, the question is, is that worth the time and investment of my energy and emotions? And subjectively, I have to draw the line here because it's just not. I have a lot of other things I need to focus on. I have a new job starting tomorrow. I have to take the LSAT. This is not something that pays my bills. And for him too, it's better for me to let it be organic rather than put this external pressure that he may catch whiff of. This whole experience was a good reminder to me of what it really means and looks like to control what you can control. Because a lot of people say that, but especially for a perfectionist and someone who likes a lot of control, what does that translate into exactly? How does that feel? Well, it really just feels like I'm trying less hard. And I think that's a much more realistic way of explaining it. Just try less hard because you cannot control everything. So what I ended up doing for this kid is I reeled it back by a lot. I simply wrote him a letter. I sent it. And that's that. The ball's in his court if he wants to text me back. That's it for my first mini chocolate chip cookie episode. Thank you for listening. Bye.